And now, ladies and gentlemen, if you would, please welcome to the ice the members of the 2016 NCAA National Champions from the University of North Dakota. Welcome back to the Hasbens, presented by 10K Takes, brought to you always by the Chill Boys. And you can go on www.chillboys.com, and listeners, you can type in HB15 to get 15% off your first order from the Chill Boys. Get your underwear, socks, made out of bamboo. Now on to our, well, actually, you know what, let me introduce, we've got a different episode. This is the 52nd episode of the year, 52 weeks in a year, one, one episode a week. Let me introduce who I have with me. Obviously, producer Jack Mason is in the house. Trevor Olson's uh, busy right now doing some things. We had some scheduling conflicts. Uh, filling in is actually one of our uh, experienced co-hosts, Casey Perper, residing out of Edina, Minnesota right now. Um, he's from Grand Forks, played for Northern Michigan. Um, he's an elite hockey mind. He coaches women's hockey varsity. He's got a couple state championships under his belt. And uh, we are joined with a special guest. He currently plays for the St. Cloud State Huskies, Mason Salquist out of Grand Forks, North Dakota. Mace, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's just... Uh, you know, it feels different. You know, I love Mace. Obviously, he's a Grand Forks guy. It feels different. He's a Husky, you know. Um, he's always liked Husky women when he was growing up, so it's no surprise he's in St. Cloud. But, uh, no, let's get into our weekend recap here, brought to you by Beauty Status. And, folks, Beauty Status is an authentic Minnesota hockey brand. T-shirts, head covers, stickers for the man cave, flags, polos. They've got it all. Good Minnesota hockey stuff for all the fans out there. Go and check out Beauty Status um, on all socials. Their website is www.beautystatushky.com. Perp, what did you uh, get up to last weekend? Let's let's go over that. Old season goes first. We'll let you start. Man, where do I start? Uh, so my weekend um, started last Wednesday on a day trip to Grand Forks to uh watch my wife graduate uh nurse practitioner school um up in grand forks at und congratulations to her the graduation did happen eventually on friday um but my weekend took off wednesday night i thought you know i'm back let's do let's do four beers at the k wednesday i'll be back on the road thursday back home back in my comfort zone no more drinking you know till christmas and weather pushed the graduation to Friday. And so I thought, you know what, I'll just roll with it. I'll do one more day. Friday comes. I'm back out again, drinking again on Friday, <laughs> celebrating. Couldn't leave. The weather trapped me in. No no big deal, right? It's, it's Friday. You know, you go out, you have a couple. I'm out of here Saturday morning. Saturday comes. Can't leave again. I do a I do a full three day bender in Grand Forks Wednesday night Thursday night for, oh four day Wednesday night Thursday night Friday <laughs> night Saturday night uh, Grand Forks bender I was in absolute shambles when I got back 
back home on Sunday and I've had exactly one day to recover and now I'm drinking with you guys on the pod. So it's actually, my, week, my weekend was pretty good. I actually had a lot of fun. My body hates me right now, but I had a lot of fun. So I was going to say that um, I was also going to ask, you know, how your gut felt after having K. Um, that's you know, the, that's the thing. That's the thing. The K it's not the drinking. It's the K that takes like three, four days to recover from. It's not the yeah. drinking. The beers are like, no, the, that's like water at the K. The K does the damage. Yeah, no, it, it, it's it's true. It, 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 the K is a stop you kind of have to make if you if you're a wing fan and you like sauce on your wings. It's not for the uh, you know the lemon pepper salt or the dry rub people. No, obviously you're gonna pay for eating those wings. That's basically what it comes down to. No, yeah, and you know you know going there right. Like I, I don't know if you've heard the health stats on that shark sauce that we all order. Um, it's probably the worst possible. Like you'd probably be better off drinking like a pint of bleach than eating that sauce. But that sauce just tastes unbelievable. Um, so you have to do it at least once, and it, it's it is it's a tough recovery. It takes about a you know, at least four or five days for your stomach to kind of settle down. But uh, I was going to add to your, to your weekend because it was funny. I was, I was coming back from the cities. I went to the cities midweek and then I came back and uh, it took me six and a half hours. It took me six and a half hours to get, uh, to get back to Grand Forks. And I get back at like three o'clock and I left at like eight thirty or 8 AM and, Perp's like, Perp's like, yeah, how are the roads looking? Like, I'm looking to head out in the next 30. I'm like, ha, are you kidding me, you idiot? You're not leaving. <laughs> the roads were so bad. And he's like, yeah, going to head out in the next 30. I'm like, no, you're not. So sit, we'll see you at the hub. <laughs> yeah, turns out uh, I ended up staying. We went to the hub. We had a great time. Actually ran into uh, to Mace, out, Mace out at the loft, his stomping ground, so. It was a good weekend. Four days of drinking. You can't go wrong there. Um, but yeah, that was my weekend. An unplanned yeah, no, four-day bender in Grand Forks. Who would have thought? That's that's how it works when you come to Grand Forks. Um, but no, for the listeners, there's going to be some confusion here because this is Mason Solquist. Now we call him Mace or Salzy, but we also call Jack Mason Mace. So there's we've got two Maces on the episode here. Um just use your brains a little bit to determine which one we're talking about here. So that's all we ask. Um, Jack, Jack Mason, Mace, what did you get up to this weekend? So on Friday, um, some buddies and I went to the wild game where they absolutely wiped the Blackhawks on the floor. And that's always good to see. I like seeing Patrick Kane lose the wild after what he's done to us the past years. But, uh, then Saturday, went to probably the best game of any sport I'll ever see in my life, that Vikings game. Holy shit. I mean, down 33 at halftime. Come back, only keep the Colts to a field goal. Are you kidding me? But, yeah. yeah. Then went skiing after that. Um, Sunday, just watched football all day. And then me and some buddies had a poker tournament. And, yeah, that was about it. So Mace, do you do you see yourself ever going back to a Vikings game? Like, how are you going to top that one? It's almost like a, it's cool. It's it's like the greatest thing ever that you were there, but it's also like fuck. Like, 
how do I beat that? And I don't even want to hear perp like, oh, yeah, wait till you've been to a Super Bowl game. <laughs> Sick, but um, cool. no, I mean. <laughs> perp, you're a Packers fan. You can't talk too much this year. It's, it's the hey. Colts, right? It's the Colts, right? Like not many teams are getting down by 33 to the Colts and then having to come back. You're usually just beating them. You know, it's not. No, really I know. It's, it's all, it was very similar to going down 33 to the Packers this year. It'd be like, holy shit, this team sucks. Like, what's going on? We should <laughs> we should soundbite that, and then we'll talk uh, January 7th after they beat the Lions to head to the playoffs as a seven seed, and they'll be playing the two Vikings coming to U.S. Bank. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited for that matchup. Um, well, Mace, it sounds like an unbelievable weekend. I'm, I'm very jealous. Anytime you get to go to an NFL game on a Saturday, it's all time. Because every time I go to an NFL – in the past, I've went to NFL games. They've always been on Sundays, and I always have to work or do something Monday. So it's like you can't really full send those NFL games. But Saturday game, I mean, oh, that'd be an absolute full sender. And, I mean, by the third quarter, I mean, I was in the – 300 level or whatever the top section i mean our whole like the whole level was just throwing paper airplanes like everyone was super disinterested all of a sudden vikings are coming back and we're like no way like that it's not even possible like what how close mace did you ever you know think about leaving after the half like this all right this is over like let's go hit a bar well, I mean, I've seen a lot of wild games. They've been down, what, 4-1 or something and come back. So that's always been one of my number one rules of sporting events. I never leave early, no matter how bad it is. So, I mean, we just hung out, had some beers, threw some paper airplanes, and just rode it out. So I wasn't leaving early, no matter that's what. Unbelievable. I think I think a few of our friends, um, one of them, Alan Zowie from Grand Forks, was at the game and he left at halftime. Which is pretty hilarious. <laughs> do, do Viking fans actually feel like that's like a cool thing coming back from thirty three against the Colts? Is that like something <laughs> everyone's like fired up about? Is that like I don't know? I didn't I didn't watch the game, so I don't know. Were people all riled up about it? Like we came back on the Colts? Yeah, no. I mean, we surrendered thirty three. As a Vikings fan, you know whatever you celebrate every win you can get obviously and um it's clear to see like it's pretty cool to see you know this vikings team which is all time they didn't even come out like they came out like ah fuck we're still tired like they didn't even try the first half and then just like oh well, let's try a little bit in the second half and then they just come back turn it on it's a team that can flip the switch at any point at any point and you know, I, I fully believe once we get to the playoffs, they'll just have that switch automatically on, and it's just going to go from there. Yeah, we'll see, I guess. Um, all right, all right. Let's let's hear Salzy's weekend here. He's off on the break. Salzy, what would you get up to on the weekend? I mean, not too much. Nothing too exciting, but uh, a whole lot of babies. But other than that, Wednesday night, we had a little team Christmas party. And then uh, from there, it's just back and forks and – not much else to do. You guys, right? do you guys do? Uh, do you guys do like um, Secret Santa with the team and stuff, where you guys all yeah. have to get each other gifts? Yeah. Yeah. So we do uh, Secret Santa, and then we do like this uh, Power Hour. It's called. You bring six drinks, wrap them in tin foil, whatever you like, and then uh, every ten minutes, it's grab one and put her back, and then on <laughs> to the next. 
that's some St. Cloud stuff. I love that. Like you're not hearing some of that stuff coming out of, you know, Duluth. Sorry, Bulldogs, but you're just not. The pressure of playing college hockey and like living up to the hype of what you're supposed to, you know, what you hold yourself up to. Um, and then getting kind of, you know, you get to go back home, see the buddies, see the family, kind of relax a little bit. It's got to be, it's got to feel pretty good. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's nice to see family and friends. They go uh, three months without seeing them. It's yeah. nice to come back and say hi and show face around the town. So for sure. Well, it's great to have him back in town, and obviously my weekend. Um, let's see here. Friday, got back to the town. Um, I did a job for Mini Movers. Actually got the truck stuck because it was snowing, uh, which is fun, and then got it unstuck. And then I met uh, Perp at the hub for a little bit, got to reunite with my friends there. Um, and then Saturday, I actually stayed in, just hung out with my parents, um, watched my brother play and then Sunday you know had a very productive day went and got a workout in at the YMCA a little steamer and then uh, you know came home and, and fueled up for my week which is kind of different um, usually I take advantage of the weekends to uh, have some fun but this this weekend I took advantage and, and kind of recharged the batteries which which helped because um, you know right now it's negative 40 in grand forks or whatever it is and that's tough stuff moving in in the in the winter so you know also uh i want to circle back there you were at the did you hit the steamer in the men's health center at the y oh yeah what a what a spot that is it's i was told so i was i was talking to uh coach palmacino over there coaches the east grand forks high school team and i'm like yeah, I just uh, left the steamer at Troyce, you know, got to work out in. He's like, oh, you like the steam, huh? And I'm like, yeah, I, I love it. I like saunaing, steaming, whatever. It's, you know, clear the system out. He's like, yeah, you got to stop going to Troyce. You got to go to YMCA. I'm oh. like, all right, I'll try it out. Get, I get to YMCA. I'm not kidding you, Perp. I've been in some nice saunas, some nice steam. It's the nicest sauna slash steamer a, I've ever been in. It's it's a it's a different game. It's a whole different feel. You can't even explain. I don't even know what it is. It's like, I mean, you got like the the sense, it's the sa- steam. It's hot. it's a sauna, um, but it's also steamy in there. It's it's like, it's the, it's like a rain, little rainforest feel. It's 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 a great spot. It's unbelievable, honestly. It's one of the main things I miss about Grand Forks when I was living there for a year after college was that was steamer. That- was that a was that a main point for you to sit in that steamer do the CEO workout? You know, oh, you just for the most, I mean, that's half the time I said I went and worked out. It was just to sit in the steamer. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's. I mean, that's all I went there for today because I was I was moving all day. Uh, my biceps are kind of sore. My fingers are sore. You, we're carrying mattresses today. You know, we're moving mattresses into a hotel and. Oh man, you're grabbing these yeah, matches. Just, uh, they're, in, they're in plastic, but you gotta grab, you gotta grip the plastic and just hold it tight. And your fingers just feel like they have arthritis in them after just like the, the first. Just the, tip, the tip, the tips of them. Oh yeah, it's just brutal. Oh. But uh, and today, when we started, it's negative forty today, so it's like, how the fuck are we gonna do this? Like. My legs are freezing. I mean, my nose felt like it was going to fall off. It was insane. That's forks, baby. And you, chose that. and you chose that career, which is 
which is something you can't complain about, right? No, yeah, which is absolutely nuts. You know, people ask me all the time, you know, what, what were you thinking? And I'm like, I wasn't. That's why I did it. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's let's move on from the weekend recap here. Let's get into the uh, predictions of the second half college hockey here. Um, we've got a player on a, on a powerhouse team here well in, well in the running of winning it all. So we all know his opinion um, on the second half, but, you know, talking about the second half, you know, um, it's really which teams can pull it together. You know, at this point, there's no freshmen, you know, there's no transfers. Like you should already have the systems down. You should be a part of the team. So now let's go out there and play. Um, obviously the teams to watch for like, out of the NCHC, it's it's going to be Denver, St. Cloud. Obviously, I, I I don't think there's any other team that can compete with them at this moment. North Dakota's got the squad, I think. Um, Duluth obviously has a tradition. I don't know. I haven't seen their game this year, but and the Cavs. Denver, I, I watched in Salzy. Don't get your don't get your head too big here, but you know you're watching St. Cloud and you're watching Denver, and I watch all the North Dakota games. So I'm a super fan. Um, St. Cloud and Denver are on just a, a different level than every, every other team. They're just – when you watch them, you can just tell. It, it was like watching the Gophers. So we'll, obviously the Gophers – I've got the Gophers, Denver, St. Cloud, Quinnipiac. Um, I think Boston, Boston University could squeak in there. And Michigan, obviously, with their first rounders. Outside of that – who who's gonna who can compete for the national championship? I don't know. I'd be willing to bet. Here's what I'll say: I'll, I'd be willing to bet a lot of money. It's going to be one of the teams I mentioned that wins it. I don't did think you, it'll be anyone else. Did you mention Penn State? I feel like the, no. I, feel I didn't like mention Penn State. Michigan State's decent this year too. Are they? I actually don't know. I'm trying to pull up the they, standings they right now. They've been rolling lately, for sure. Penn State started off hot. Yeah. Longest team to be bit beaten in the con- or, uh, NCAA. So. Longest team to be unbeaten? No, well, it's just for the season. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So. You always got to watch away. for – there's always an ECAC team that pops in there, too, I feel like, that no one well, expects. Well, that's, that's Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac. Oh yeah, Quinnipiac. Um, Harvard's got a really good squad. This year. Yeah, I, was good say, squad. I, was, I was thinking like a Harvard or a Yale or somebody sneaks in there at the end. Or you can't really go with Harvard though because they have finals um, the week of the Frozen Four, so there's no chance. I just made no. that up, but it's probably true. Um, it could be. It could be, but I mean, we'll watch out. The second half of the college season is so fun because. Some teams that were bad, you know, or they turn into good teams. They go on runs or whatever. You, my, even my junior year in 2016, we played Northeastern. They were terrible the first half. They were one of the last teams to make it into the tournament. They were 22, 22 games unbeaten. So some teams do that in the second half just out of nowhere, and you wouldn't think. Um, one of the teams I would like to mention is UConn. If, you've, if anyone's been following them, they're usually an absolute nobody, but they kind of like – 
they played some good games, won some good games. So that could be one to watch out for, maybe make the Frozen Four, who knows? I mean, there's a lot of things that could happen. Perp, you're a WCHA guy. I don't I don't see any of the WCHA teams making noise. I mean, they're, no. they're, they're solid teams, but Minnesota State, Michigan I don't, Tech. Yeah, I don't uh... – as much as I love to to pump up the old, there is no WCHA by the way; it's a CCHA now. But as much as I like to, uh, you know, pump up that conference, <laughs> I feel like uh, there this year there's not quite, you know, the Minnesota State of old where they, you know, had the one, two, three ranking. And I'm not even sure if there's a CCHA team ranked in the top 16 right now. I don't even I'm don't even know if Northern's in the top 30. I, I mean, it's. I'm feeling like it's a down year for the CCHA, but you know, somebody's going to get in. So somebody's going to get into the tournament from that, from that conference. And yeah, never know. I feel I guess, like it's but. a down year for the NCHC as well. Obviously not St. Cloud and Denver, but the rest of the, you know, you look at the pairwise of the NCHC teams, it's like Denver two, I think St. Cloud four or five. And then everyone else is outside the top 20. Yeah, I think um, I think Michigan Tech is the highest ranked CCHA team. I think I just looked that up. So, and they're at 18, so they're even on the outside looking in and I mean, yeah, that might be a sad year for the CCHA, but that's okay. A little rebuilding year for the boys. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Well, okay. Well, that's that's enough for the college hockey talk. Um glad Salzy didn't didn't pitch in too much there because none of us really want to hear about the Huskies, but uh, <laughs> you guys all wish you could. <laughs> um, let's move on to the fun stuff brought to you by Butter Golf. And let's do the nail gun of the week here. Obviously, a tradition now, and everyone knows it's my favorite segment. Does anyone want to stir us off? Does anyone have a good nail gun of the week that they uh, want to blurt out? Or I can go for it if you want. Um... I'm not sure. How much World Cup did you guys watch? Gage, I feel like you might have tuned into some games. Mace, did you catch any World yeah. Cup? Or you... Yeah, I dabbled in it. So I feel like everybody might have tuned into at least that uh, that final game Sunday morning, which may have been one of the greatest sporting events of all time. I mean, that game had – if you could draw up a World Cup final for anybody watching, you would have drawn that up. And yeah. I'm sure a lot of people think I'm going towards Messi, which in my opinion is probably the GOAT. Um, but I got to go Mbappe. Down two goals, buries a penalty kick, ties the game in the 80th minute, and then also buries another penalty kill or penalty kick late in that game. 23 years old, second World Cup final. That guy is an absolute nail gun. That guy's played in two <laughs> World Cup finals, 1-1, one, one, hat trick in his second final at 23 years old yeah what an absolute monster on the world's How? on the actual world's biggest stage that guy drops a hat trick on everybody two clutch goals late in the, or three clutch goals they're all late they're all at post 80th minute i mean that's to me that's Being, i mean i mean what a clutch the, nails performance the, the the biggest part of that perp, I think, is not that he scored three goals in the World Cup, but because all the GOATs kind of do that. They do that stuff. They, they show up when yeah. it's clutch time. That's what separates them. But 
the guy's 23 years old, like you said. I mean, he's like a he's like a fucking baby. Like, and this is his second. The guy, he's still on his parents' health care. You know, like he's still on his. Wow. He, he can't even rent a car in the U.S. Are they, yeah, I was gonna say, are they doing healthcare in Europe? Is that how? Is it parents' healthcare? <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, I mean, it's to think of. I mean, I, I don't know, Mace. What are you? How old are you right now? Twenty-two. Twenty-two years old. He's the age of Mbappe. You know, you think of that guy. That's the biggest stage you can be on. Almost, you know, regardless sports perp, anything like. You know, yeah, I mean, I mean, if you're well, I mean, if look, you're a performer, if you're on a movie, if you're on anything, that's the biggest stage you could ever be on is the World Cup. The final. I mean, take one take one look at Argentina's parade today and it shits on any parade of any sports team ever in the United States. Okay. I don't know if I can say that with full confidence, but I feel like it did just from seeing the pictures out of that event. But I, I, I can say for sure, yeah, I can say for sure it did. Perp, did you see that drone footage? I mean, it was flying through the city, and everyone was just outside yeah. hugging each other. I mean, if you can understand the sheer like magnitude of the entire world watching, and your team's down two goals, and you step up to the PK and bury, and then not only bury that, a few minutes later bury the tying goal, send it to extra time. And then an extra time, your team goes down, and then you bury another one, and you get a hat trick. Granted, you don't win, but he's already won one when he was 19. This isn't even his first time. That's the craziest part. I mean, you could also battle Messi with that nail gun for sure. Carry his team to the championship, win a ring, right? Yeah, you, you for sure can. I mean that's why it's a it's a toss up between the two. I mean Messi's the goat, right? I mean he's yeah. got to be. Ronaldo definitely took a step back. Guy couldn't even get in the game. You know Ronaldo Messi. It kind of felt like a passing of the torch. Messi did his thing, won his World Cup. Mbappe feels like he's you know coming. Well, right in. the the Ov the Ov Crosby the Ov Crosby debate similar to the Ronaldo messy debate because it's like it's very clear one of them's better but there's like stats and like fans and other factors that like make it an argument but it's like Sid the kid Sid the kid like he's as much as I hate to say it you know like Ovi's my favorite player but Sid's he's better than Ovi you know and it's a similar thing everyone had those arguments and now it's like it's almost it's almost sad because now you can't make the debate of Ronaldo over Messi. And before you could. Tough. It's just tough. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm not claiming to be a soccer guy, but Messi just seems like he's the man. And everything that's came out about him afterwards, like marrying that, I mean, absolute rocket, like dating her since he was 10. And he's been with her the entire time. Seems like an absolute great guy. They had to outlaw, this could be a fake fact that I saw on the internet, but they had to outlaw the name Messi in Argentina because too many people were naming their kids Messi. I mean, this guy is the absolute goat. <laughs> Seven Ballon d'Ors, if I'm saying that right. They had to, they had to outlaw, is, that, is that a true story? They had to outlaw the name Messi in Argentina? <laughs> I I saw it on the internet. I mean, I never, I don't double check that stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I believe it 100%. Like, there's like, there's kids growing up that are probably like, 
six or seven years old right now, and they have eight messies in the class. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bunch of messies. Mess. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's good. Hey, okay, we'll we'll move on to another nail gun here. Does anyone, Mace, Solzy, Solzy, sorry, Solzy, you got a nail gun for us? Who's your nail gun? I mean, I got to ride Messi for sure. Winning a World Cup, like, come on. You got to argue that point. Like, yeah, you can't. You he carries can't. this team, semifinals, like PK, Berries, Apple. Like, he's just putting up points left and right out here in the World Cup. Like you I mean, said, he, the yeah. biggest stage on earth right now. Yeah. And right. he's performing. I like those choices. I like, I mean, yeah, Messi – Messi's stupid. I wish, I really wish he was that. That was like an American star because he's not an American. I, I know Messi obviously just because he's Messi, but he's not like a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers or like a LeBron James to me. Like he's just a he's a right. soccer player overseas. But to, the, you know? but to the rest of the world, he's those guys and more. So it's like to the rest of the world, he's like, I mean, he's probably more important. Here's the funny thing about Messi is. He's probably more important to maybe the majority of families in Argentina. He's more important than their parents, like their own parents. Like he, they'd probably rather have their their own mom or dad die. That's such a my, ridiculous take. That's such an I absurd take. I think it's true. I, you, think, I, you think you think you think if you walk the streets of streets of Argentina. These people are having their parents die over Messi. Hundred percent. Because you want to know why? You know what? You want to know how I know that? There's this. There's people in America who would do the same for Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or Le- you know. There's. I'm, I'm as big of an Aaron Rodgers guy as you'll find. And no, I no, you're not. Less. You're level headed. You're a level headed average sports fan. There are sports fans out there. Who legit can't sleep for two weeks and thinking about think about suicide after their team loses out in the playoffs? It's like, it's a lot bigger deal to a lot of these people. I don't know. I just I think that's an absurd take to think that the people of Argentina are axing <laughs> their own parents over Lionel Messi. If they had if gun to the head, I think there's a lot. I think majority of them are. Gun I think there's head. a. There might be a couple, but I, I mean, their parents are probably sick or they're sure. on their death. And also the people of Argentina, they're a lot more, you know, they're a lot more culture based than us Americans. You know, they're thinking like, okay, if my yeah, mom they're dies, big, they're know. big on, they're bigger on family than we are. No, I mean, they're, they're, they're about the culture. So they're like, okay, they're, they're logical. So they're thinking gun to their head, mom or messy. And they're <laughs> like, well, I, I, I love my mom, but, uh, Messi means so much to this country. And I fucking love Argentina. Mom. <laughs> you know, like, what a wild take. <laughs> uh, Mace, Mace, you got a you got a nail gun of the week? Um it kind of came to mind uh after the game on Saturday, but I'm gonna shout out Paul Allen. Um, dude just bleeds purple. I mean, year in, year out, disappointment after disappointment, this man comes back and puts it all into his broadcast. I mean, Vikings were down 33-7. He scores and he acts like it's the Super Bowl. Like, oh, yeah. I don't know, this guy, 
I watched like a compilation of like his top five calls in history. And after it finished, I wanted to run through a wall. So I had to shout him out. That's a great call, Mace, because I was literally just talking to my dad about Paul Allen because he's a big radio guy. So he listens to the Vikings on radio and he likes listening to Paul Allen rather than, you know, the broadcasters on TV or whatever. You can't, you know, if you're not a diehard, like even if I was the best announcer in the world, I couldn't do what Paul Allen does because I don't love the Vikings as much as he does. Like you can't fake that passion that he has in his voice when he's talking about the Vikings because he is like, he's fully embedded. Like that's his whole life as a Viking. It's like, he can't not like, it's actually so cool because he loves them so much. Like, when you listen and, and during the, during the game, if you listen to Paul Allen and those guys, they're absolutely chirping the other team the whole time. Like they hate the other team and they're just all Vikings. It's so funny. And that's when I go back to like, I respect Paul Allen, Mason. And, and we go back to when we talked about Jack Edwards, the Bruins uh, broadcaster who chirped Pat Maroon and stuff on the lightning. Um, I wasn't too mad at Jack Edwards. And I know, I know most people were about those statements because the guy loves the Bruins, man. He's a, he's a Bruins fucking super fan. Like, of course he's not going to like the other players on the other teams and he's going to make fun of them. Like, of course, of course, he's going to make fun of the the instigator and the fighter on the Tampa Bay Lightning who just won the cup two years in a row. You know, like, what do you expect? Yeah, yeah I hate that part of it. I mean, like these announcers, like that's what makes it cool for these fan bases. When they tune in, they're listening to someone that like absolutely would like in your words, die for that organization, I guess. I mean, Paul yeah. Allen maybe would give up his family member for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's what makes it so cool. I mean, it's one of the, I cringe every time I hear his voice, but if he wasn't who he was, I wouldn't cringe. You know what I mean? Like he's that good to where if I hear Paul Allen on an exciting call, I have to turn the dial. Like I'm like, get this guy out of here, but it's because he's so good at his job and people love him that much. And he loves the Vikings that much, but yeah, I have to turn the channel every time I hear him. So he's, it's exciting. Even if, even when you hear it for, I love listening to other other guys like him when they favor their home team. It's it's just better. It's they yeah. have the passion, you know, it's 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 real. They're they're like fans, you know, it's it's awesome. Well, and then you uh, see those videos of him, he's like collapsing like as he's like calling like he's like fully into it. He's not just calling the game standing there. He's like Oh no, like he's full in motion, like watching, yeah. like he's like grabbing his friends, like oh my god, like yeah, and, stuff. and yeah. I mean the talent that has to take, you know, like when he's so engaged in the game, he's still talking like Dalvin Cook gets the pass to the left, sprints right, dodge right, and you know he's like he's staring at the play, like you know how hard that would be not to just watch and just be like, and oh. not like how hard would it be to say something during that? Well, and think about like when you're when you're celebrating, like you're like just literally jumping up and down, like lost for words, like you have no idea what to even say. And he's like spitting out like, you know, viral one-liners the entire call, which is like crazy impressive to like have that composure in like such a big moment to like spit something out that makes sense that everyone resonates with. Like it's, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, I hate the guy's calls, but it is unbelievable. I have to give him credit. (laughs) I don't, but. Like the Justin Jefferson call against the Bills. 
when he caught that on fourth down. Oh, yeah. Nuts. I don't know about that catch. I think the defender helped him. <laughs> All right, all right. It's time for my nail guns, right? You guys ready to hear the first one? Yeah. First one, work done. NFL oh, player. Atlanta legend. Falcon. Yeah, you know the story, Perp? Okay, work no, done. Work done is. Just saw just saw this tweet the other day. Work done. Mother died in high school. No father. Five siblings younger than him. Raised all five siblings throughout high school, living together, just no, no, no parents. Okay. He ends up making it to the NFL. When he makes it to the NFL, obviously he makes money, so he takes care of his family. Well, when work done, makes money in the NFL, he's playing for a while, he ends up building over 150 homes for – um, single mothers and families, and he just lets them live in there for free. So I saw that story. I had to shout him out. Work done. Unbelievable. I so mean, he quite, so he quite literally was using a nail gun to build those houses. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's, he's the definition. Like, can you imagine being in high school with five younger siblings and no. your only parent who's like teaching all of you what to do in life dies. And now you are responsible for raising these, your siblings, taking care of them all while training for football, obviously in high school makes it to college. Sorry. I don't know where he went to college, but then makes it the NFL. And he's an unreal NFL player. Like, that to me is is something that's you know it's just insane to think about that he was able to raise these kids when he was in high school and still making the NFL and and obviously he's a great person builds all those homes for people and lets them live in them for free it's just like it's a cool story um, I do it is awesome when you hear like like some of these guys like not only were they good people whatever like there's a lot of people who are good people and they give back to charities but like this guy's been out of the league for a while like he's not like just somebody that like just retired and like you know took a year to do something like he's just continuously giving back and doing stuff and using yeah. his name like every you know he's doing it at this point he's not doing it for any sort of like recognition man of the year like he's doing it because he truly cares which is pretty cool no, it obviously means something to him. So, and then obviously tradition. I've got more than one nail gun of the week. My second one. Um, I saw a video. I saw a video of a Lions fan. They're tailgating. They're tailgating the Lions game or whatever, and this Lions fan's out in the tailgate. And he's walking with his wife, and there's a video of him, and he convinces his wife to line up he's like talking to his wife and you i mean you can imagine he's talking about like the the lions o-line and jared goff so he's talking to his wife and he has his wife line up against him and like pass rush him he lines up and he like they hike and his wife like charges him and he's just pushing her to the outside just 
he's just stiff armor, stiff arming her to the outside, like to create a present, like to create a pocket for the QB. And he just shoves his wife out of the way. <laughs> it's just all time. That's so nails. Like the guy's so into the offensive line. He's like, yeah, let me show you. Let me show you what they do. Like they're just pushing them the outside. You know, they use the arms. Like he's just clearly like teaching her how the offensive line works. And he just shoves her. Like they have, de- have decent technique. Oh, he had great technique. It was so funny. The video, I retweeted it for the listeners. So if they want to go watch the video, um, it's on my retweets. So just scroll down on my tweets. But it, it's so funny. Like, the guy's just stiff-arming his wife out of the pocket. Was and she's like, actually, like, pass-rushing him. <laughs> was, was he, like, incredible crew out of this guy? Like, it was the one step, like. Oh, yeah. He had the shuffle down. Oh yeah. oh yeah, he had it all going. Oh, yeah. he, he, he knew what he was talking about for sure. That's unreal. This kid's coaching his kid to be an old tackle in the NFL someday. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Let's move on from the nail gun of the week here. Let's get into our uh, our top comeback stories. And I wanted to do this just, uh, you know, we've got Mason Solquist in studio. He's got a comeback story. He's got um, not necessarily what you guys are thinking. It's not too serious. It's just happened this year against UND. But, um, and the Vikings kind of spurred it. So I wanted to go back, you know, what are your some of your guys' favorite comeback stories um, that you can remember? It doesn't have to be anything about, sports necessarily a lot of them are sports but uh anything that you can think of does anyone want to go first with their any comeback stories they can think of um i can kick it off here yeah let's let let's let salzy kick it off his favorite comeback stories yeah so it's saturday night in the herb obviously electric barn and uh <laughs> you go down two rip after one and uh get back in the locker room it's like we're getting things going like we're having opportunities but then you go on the pk and i end up getting a breakaway off this and it's two zero miss my breakaway to go two one miss it go back the other way they go up three nothing on us and boys just no quit around the bench and it's uh Let's get back after it. They're going to come. And six unanswered against North Dakota in the Herb Brooks. And best time of my life right there. Best weekend. Sweep them at home on a Saturday night. Scoring six Fucking unanswered. Joke. Fucking joke. Wow. Just a, better just a cut throw. better than that. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that is uh... – that's why, I mean, it was obviously the Vikings, but I had Mason. Coming back from 3 nothing. I don't know if I've ever done it. You know, like, Perp, how many times have you came back from 3 nothing on a team? Like, in, I'm not talking, like, squirts or anything, but, like, in a real hockey game, you come back 3 nothing and win. I don't think I've ever done it. Not once. Yeah. No, I feel like it always happened against us. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't feel like we were the ones <laughs> making the comeback. So, uh, no, that's uh that is a ballsy story, but I'd I'd like to know I'd like to know where that confidence came from. Did you guys feel like North Dakota just didn't have it or is that that's kind of the feel maybe 
maybe you don't want to answer that, but Ozzo, do you feel like North Dakota, maybe that's just kind of the, the vibe people are getting from them this year? No, I mean, to, to, to Solzy's, to Solzy's, um, to pump his tires in the, in St. Cloud. I, I was just telling them, you know, I've watched, I've watched all the UND games. I've watched all these teams play on college whenever they're on TV. St. Cloud and I'll say St. Cloud and Denver are the NCHC right now. They're, when you watch them and you do the eye test, it's like, you can tell like these are the, so they just, are the so so it's not it's not a matter of who they're playing like they can feel like they can come back on it is that kind of how it feels mace like you guys on any given night no matter what the lead is any point that you guys can rattle off some sort of comeback or you guys can i mean a three goal lead for you guys whether it's north dakota denver or northern michigan like you guys feel like you guys can come back from that deficit that's not you guys have that type of confidence in the room yeah i mean it's the locker room like just a family that we've created and it's no quit. I mean, we were in Denver Saturday night, came out, literally didn't want to move our feet, couldn't make plays, and it was like, come on. And then second period hits, and we're right in the game. And it's we're already down two early within five minutes into the game. It's like any team isn't safe when they're playing us, I feel like. And, yeah, I don't know. I feel like North Dakota is just like they've had a struggle to – put a full 60 together and turn out to be a win at the end of their night. But other than that, I mean, it's our team and we've always been that way. I feel like. Yeah. It's kind of, a, I can attest to that. It is like even watching that game, you know, and I told Mace the, what I thought about that game as well. Like even watching that game, you know, you got North Dakota. They lost Friday night. They're, they, the coaches choose which jerseys to wear, and, and you don't wear the black jerseys often. You only wear them when you need a win. And more often than not, I mean, you win that game. Mm-hmm. So they, they're in St. Cloud, which, mind you, is, is a very hard place to play. And St. Cloud plays so well at home. Just they, They've got the Olympic-sized sheet. They've got a power play that's buzzing. They've usually got guys on the team who can absolutely dipsy-daddle out there. Um, they went up – UND went up 3 nothing. I watched the entire game. And normally if UND goes up 3 nothing, I'm like, it's over. Like, I'm turning the channel. But I'm like, all right, 3 nothing. like, that's a good lead to have on St. Cloud. It's, let's just try to keep this lead. But I was still scared, you know, like – I could tell watching them, like, you can't – you're never safe when you're playing. And Mace, I think – I mean, not nothing against St. Cloud, but I think if that was at the Ralph, maybe maybe UND holds that. But you're playing in St. Cloud. Like, those guys at home are so good. And this uh, is a Saturday night, no? Yeah. So And they're I mean, so that... good. They're so, it's a Saturday night. Like, these There's guys don't want to lose Saturday. Yeah, there's like there's there's reason to play. Like if you lose a Friday, it's like whatever. But it's like Saturday, uh, we got no practice Sunday. Let's try to win this one, boys. You know, like you're you're really trying to win that Saturday game, especially at home. First time in 21 years since we swept North Dakota at the Herb. So wow. it's 
and we got told that before, and it was like, fuck, boys, might as well end that streak for them. That's a crazy yeah, stat. Yeah. I, would, I would not have guessed that just because some some of the teams that St. Cloud has produced over the last you know decade, it's kind of surprising that that's the case. But obviously, North Dakota has been a powerhouse too, so it's not it's not yeah. unbelievable. Well, I, yeah, I don't know what it was like for probably a little different. I don't know if you just try to go in every weekend playing college, like, all right, we want to sweep, but we can absolutely not get swept. We can't, we can't go on to, you know, like that's your mindset going into every weekend. Like we're not going on to, we'll take one, especially on the road. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Hell of a comeback. Hell of a comeback there. Um, Mace, did you have any comebacks? Did you want me to rattle off some? I'll go through mine. Um, number one, uh, game versus Colts. That was pretty insane. Even though it wasn't uh, a big opponent, uh, it was still crazy <laughs> to watch in person. Um, second one, I'm going to go Minnesota Wild coming back, bringing hockey back to Minnesota. Norm Coleman bringing them back. And then for number three, I'm going Louis Zamperini. I mean, if you can spend over 40 days in the middle of the ocean with nothing, go to a Japanese POW camp and make it out, I mean, that's what's insane. Mace, what's that movie called again? Unbroken? Uh, Unbroken, yes. That's it. That's it. So, yeah, for my comebacks – I've got a few I can list off here. Um, down 3-1 to the Golden State Warriors, LeBron and the Cavs, Kyrie. My favorite comeback in sports. Um, they what were the – I think the record on teams that were up 3-1 and one in the finals were like 50-0 and 0 or something and first time ever. So that was one of my favorite ones, being, being a LeBron guy. I listed off D Rose, 50 points after coming back from ACL surgery with the Timberwolves. Hell of a comeback there. 50 burger for D Rose. Feel good story. I've got Tiger winning the Masters um, after so long. I mean, that was one of my one of my favorite memories. Uh watching Tiger win the Masters. It didn't it didn't even feel real. It still doesn't really um that he was able to do that. And then I had, uh, have you guys ever seen Never Back Down, the movie, the MMA, like UFC movie? I got Jake Tyler coming back. You know, he's got broken ribs and everything, and he comes back and wins the tourney. Um, unbelievable. And then my final one, I've got the 2013-14 University of North Dakota. We didn't have a, we didn't have a nickname. We had the same exact record as this North Dakota team this year, and we went on to make the Frozen Four. Um, so that's a hell of a comeback for us there. And no one counted us out. We fucking went on a heater the second half. Didn't something crazy have to happen? Like, didn't somebody have to lose a game at the very end for you guys to slide in, like, on that last pairwise spot? Yeah, so so three teams had to win, and then one team had to lose. The one team lost. Two of them had won, and Wisconsin had to beat. Fuck, who was it? Wisconsin had to beat someone in the in the Big Ten or in the Big Ten championship, and it went to 
it went to like double overtime and they won. And we got in. And then oh, our first didn't, game, didn't they, didn't like, wasn't Ohio State making a run through, and they were yes, isn't that Ohio State? They beat they beat Ohio State to go to the tournament, which got us in because Ohio State was out. Yeah, and then we went on to play Wisconsin the first round of the tournament. We beat Wisconsin, and then we played Fair State, who outshot us like forty to fifteen. They were an we absolute wagon. They were an absolute wagon that year. They were so good. They were like three times better than us and we just somehow like squeaked out a win like that kid, Corey Kinnan, that kid Corey Kinnan on their team was an absolute monster in college hockey oh face-offs he'd take every face-off and just win every single one of them he was just a beast uh, just super strong yeah so I had I had to mention I had to mention that team just because it's, it's similar to this team but second halves are different you never know what can happen um but those will be those will be our comebacks. Let's let's move on to the next one. You don't, next you don't want me to do any comebacks or what? Oh, you didn't even go yet. No. Do you? Have I can one? rattle. I can, yeah, I got two of them. I can rattle mine off quick. Um, so I saw. So I don't know. I mean, if you're following Geno Smith's comeback story with the Seattle Seahawks, it's one of the crazier stories in sports. I mean, this guy, absolute monster at West Virginia first round pick slid in the draft a little bit just an absolute I, I mean an absolute monster in college football this guy you know threw for all the yards all the touchdowns all the accolades kind of fell into a bad spot in uh, New York kind of bounced around the league a little bit he's been in the league for probably 10 years now this guy has kind of had re- resurrected his career in Seattle and it's been I mean it's one of the coolest things I think to watch because it seems like a genuinely good dude I, I think i saw a quote from him that was like my worst day is like most people's best day so like he doesn't really take it for granted he knows knows how cool of an opportunity it is to be back in the league i mean back starting in the league so yeah perp that's uh geno smith's a great call um although i don't i don't know if i necessarily believe, like those guys who have those seasons that he's having right now kind of like Every guy kind of has that season, and I know Geno Smith's having that season late in their career. It's really cool just because of the Russell Wilson trade. Um, but I, I'm still not a full-on believer in him. I just think he's having an unreal season because of the circumstances and what happened with Russell Wilson and him. Um, but that's a great call. I, did you have another one for us? Um, yeah, I've actually thought of another one while you were talking, but I'll leave that one off. I was going to say Kurt Warner. What an, That's another uh, – Great example. I was going to say, you don't believe in Geno Smith. People didn't believe in Kurt Warner. I don't That's know. true. No. That's actually a good um, call. But my other one was actually like, it's a it's a comeback story in the future, and it's the Green Bay Packers of this year. I just want it out there on the record <laughs> that I, I wow. think – I wow. actually think, Are you kidding me? So I actually Brain think that – So I actually think the NFL is somewhat rigged, and I think the NFL – actually wants the Packers in the playoffs. And if you look at their Why would path, they not? Yeah, Why I know. I, I think it's actually fairly attainable too. Their path isn't that crazy if they went out. And I don't know. I just want it I want this clip replayed on January eighth, I think it is, when the Packers beat the Lions and they secure a playoff spot and everyone counted them out. I just want it I just want it clipped. One way or the other. Even if I'm wrong. No, I- 
I think that's going to be the comeback story of the year. I think they might win the Super Bowl, but we'll leave that for a later <laughs> part. Per, per, I'm, I'm honestly like my, my second favorite football team is the Packers because I hate them so much. And my second favorite football team isn't like the ones I like. It's like the if the Packers are on TV, they're the second most likely team that I am to tune into and watch because all I want to do is cheer for the other team. You know, like it's the greatest thing ever when the Packers are playing and I get to watch the other team and their successes, which has happened over the years. It's the best thing ever because I know Packers fans are so like last year the playoff. Oh yeah, good team. Bam, just beat by the by. And then and then and then the year before, Tom Brady comes to the Lambo. One of my favorite football games ever. Tom Brady comes to Lambo and just embarrasses the Packers at home and Aaron Rodgers. And Tom Brady's just going to. Tom Brady's I mean, on his retirement tour. He's like, oh, yeah. Tom threw like three picks in that game. I don't even know if he <laughs> threw a touchdown pass. That guy was an absolute joke in that game. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I hope the Packers make the playoffs. If the Vikings don't make the Super Bowl, I hope the Packers make it, and I hope they fucking lose. It'd be unbelievable. But what, if they, but what if they sneak in as the last wild card and make a run and win the Super Bowl again like they did in 2010? You haven't considered Well, that would be worst-case scenario, but there's absolutely no way it's happening with their defense, who everyone thought was going to be great, and they're not good. And their offense is not good either. It's just, They're a very, very mediocre football team that I mean, will, will not even come close to making the playoffs, but it's funny you think they will. Christian Watson – Justin Jefferson, check the total touchdowns. You can't even bring those two names up in the same picture. Are you kidding me? I, uh, what has Christian Watson done this he's, year? He's, he scored nine touchdowns. Nine. That's a good number. Yeah, I think JJ has Jefferson have in his career. Well, Watson's a rookie, so. Oh. That's. <laughs> Okay, we'll move on. We'll move on from the fucking Vikings Packers talk because I don't know how many how big of football fans listeners are, but we're obviously big football fans, but whatever. And that's I'll tell you this purpose, great as the World Cup was, give me the Super Bowl. No doubt. You don't even know what one feels like. I don't care. I know what it feels. I know what it, I know what it would feel like. Do you though? Yeah, I'm gonna skip the other fun stuff. I just want to get into Mace's career here and about Grand Forks. Um, that'll end the fun stuff. Let's get into Mace's career here. He, he's a kid that grows up in Grand Forks, North Dakota, and, and so he typically. I ask guys, you know, like. What, at what point did you realize you wanted to start playing hockey? But in Grand Forks, I feel for, for a lot of kids that play hockey, it's like it's right away, you know. So, you know, what's what's growing up like playing hockey? Were you good when you were younger? Did you When did you realize, you know, that 
I'm I'm a pretty good player. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to practice at this and, and be better. Yeah, I mean, I obviously started like towards like probably peewees, and then it was like from my childhood too. My parents put me in skates at a very young age and was on the ice. And kind of funny story is uh, back when I was a little toddler, my parents said that I would refuse to go to bed to without my skates tied on me. And uh, at this time, we were living in a different house, and I shared a room with my brother. And uh, I, we had bunk beds, and I was on the top bunk, and my parents every night would have to come out and untie my skates as I'm sound asleep. So, But, yeah, it probably started around Peewees, and I knew I had something a little bit different than other guys and just became that. Yeah. as it, I, I think it is at most points in, in – Salzy, as you're as you're growing up in Grand Forks, I know people think of Grand Forks as a hockey town. Um, did you play any any other sports growing up that you were you know you were good at? And it wasn't always hockey, or did you just play hockey? Yeah, I mean, when I was in middle school, it was like I played soccer my seventh grade year, eighth grade year I played football, and then uh, I always grew up playing baseball too. So and. To this day, my dad will argue with me having a few beers sitting on in the garage at his place, and he'll say, you are 10 times better baseball player than you are hockey. And I refuse, and I have my state, and Perp. yeah, he fires back. Perp, what are your thoughts on Um, So a lot of the listeners don't know this, and this could make me seem a little bit older than maybe I am on this podcast, but um, – I've known Mason since he was probably, you know, little, little guy. I grew up same age as his older brother, Gage. We played hockey together. Um, his dad, Buzzy, absolute legend, uh, soft as hell, can't drink very many beers. But um, I've known Mason forever, and believe it or not, I was his baseball coach when he was 12 and 13 on uh, the Grand Forks Storm. Um and I can attest, uh, we were a two-headed monster. Multiple uh, Cal Ripken World Series run, runs. One was uh, out in Boston, trip out there. So me and Mace have a long history in his baseball career together. And I can attest, Mace is an absolute beast in baseball. And when he uh, when he uh, hung up the spikes and just went straight hockey, I could not believe it because I could agree with his dad 100%. I was saying at that point in time that, this kid could be a division one baseball player. And I still believe that to this day, that if he would have, you know, stuck with baseball, that would have been uh, an easy Perp, path as well. Perp, what, uh, what, how did you, you know, you're coaching now you're a hockey coach, obviously, and, and you were a baseball coach. How do you, how can you tell, you know, he has different skills or a different ability so, than, so base, so with baseball, especially at that age, like, I mean, obviously you can, I mean, certain guys are able to hit really well. Mace obviously had, you know, unbelievable hands. I mean, quick with the bat, I mean, good speed. And then obviously he was unbelievable behind the dish. And at that age, you don't really have kids that are um, that heady about the game and that smart, you know, to play behind the dish at a high level. And I mean, that's one of the main reasons him and this other kid named Brock Reller. I mean, that's why we made our runs to the World Series. I always, I still think it's coaching, but obviously people probably think the players probably brought us there. 
But uh, I'm just going to give Mace a little pump, a tire pump here because, yeah, I agree with Buzzy, um, his dad. He would have been a tremendous baseball player. Um, but obviously, like all of us, hockey's the path we chose, and I don't think anyone regrets it because it's an absolute blast to play hockey. And so, but. I mean, the biggest argument I have is I'm on a top 10 powerhouse every year. D1 hockey yeah, program. For sure. You got to put that compared to baseball. So you're saying that I'm a Vanderbilt, South Carolina. Like you got to so, say that I'm up there on those, that level of baseball. So, so my, yep. And I, and I would, and I, I would agree that I think hockey's obviously just as good of a path. My thought is that if you maybe grew up in a different part of the country or, pursued baseball in the same way you pursued hockey with the same passion and drive. I, I don't want to say those, those, uh, those are not things that could have been attained in baseball, but I also was a 19 year old kid coaching you in baseball. So I was just there for the parking lot beers with your dad. So. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's I think, true. which, which I know buzz, you'll listen to this and I, and I can confidently say I out drank him in every parking lot. Parking. Lot. <laughs> Night that was. That's good. Um, no, but back to back to hockey, Mason, and I'll kind of give the background of the story. So I didn't, you know, Mason's quite a bit younger than me. Um, I think five years younger than me. When I was, so I had never, you know, when you're in Grand Forks, I know it's a small town, but you don't, you don't really necessarily pay attention to the kids younger than you as much i mean some kids you do but i remember in college you know we we always heard the name mason Salquist. you know like if you're ever going to watch a red river high school game um if you're going to watch high school hockey you're going to watch you're kind of going to watch mason Salquist. so so when when did you know when did this come about i mean were you good in bantams and then you're like you know what i'm gonna when did you start, you know, and, and when you're on this path, I mean, how you got to be this good player, what people on this who listen to this podcast realize is you don't get to be a good player just showing up to practice. There, there has to be stuff done behind the scenes um, where people don't see you. So at what age, you know, was it pretty young when you were stick handling outside of the rink? Um, you're going to the ODR, you're going to outdoor rinks, you're shooting on a shooting net, you're stick handling, you know, at what age should this happen? And did you do that? I mean, some guys didn't. I mean, yeah, for sure. I definitely did. Definitely put time in behind the scenes that people don't see. And I think it honestly started with uh perps class with Luke Johnson, Paul Ledoux, my best friends, Max Johnson. And, uh, these guys would always play roller hockey out in the summer and go to the ODRs left and right. And me and Max would be chopping it up and they, these fools would come along and be like, Hey, you guys want to come play roller hockey? Like, and me and him would light up. Yeah, for sure. Let's go. And we'd end up getting there and these guys would chuck us the pads. Like, here you go. Like strap them up and, uh, sit here and just get beat on. But then, uh, out at the ODRs, these guys would go late at night, and uh, yeah, we would always just tag along and try to feel like 
we belong, but never really did. But yeah, other than that, it was Perp actually shot multiple pucks on his tarp. And once he uh, left the hometown, I ended up asking his dad for the tarp and hung it up in my garage and shot thousands of pucks on that and stick handled every day. So yeah, there's a lot of time that goes into it. And the jury's yeah. still out. Who shot more pucks on that tarp? There's Mace thinks he takes the crown on that, but like oh, I told him, sure. there's not a, there wasn't as many marks because I was always hitting the pockets. I wasn't hitting, you know, I wasn't hitting the pockets, so. I forgot you were a perfect hockey player out there, hey? Hey, a station, stationary shoot, stationary shooter. I don't miss the corners. So, so Mace, you, uh, or Selzy, you're playing high school. Um, did you have some good teams in high school to make it state? Did you win state? Yeah, so my sophomore year, is, we actually went undefeated in the state. It was the first time through uh, for a North Dakota team in know, a very long time since Central and Red River split parts. But, yeah, my sophomore year team was really good. And then uh, we lost a bunch to graduation. So yeah. my junior team was – we were still really good, like powerhouse and – North Dakota, and then my senior year team, we had some good good guys on there. It was Max Johnson, uh, Jackson Coons, Dane Montgomery, and then, yeah, so it was good. Like, we had good teams, but just only pulled through for the sophomore year. So my question for the Grand Forks guys, because so Mace played on – Salzy played on some powerhouse high school hockey teams at the Grand Forks. Wednesday, whatever. Perp plays on powerhouse Grand Forks high school hockey teams that play for Central. What are you guys just deciding which school to go to, Central or Red River, just based on where everyone else is going? You know, what goes into that decision? I mean, for me, it was my friends. My pretty much my entire grade went to. Red River, so that was kind of what I made my decision off of. So yeah, yeah. For me, well, I'm a true North End. You're Northern End. I'm a true North End kid. I never, I actually believe it or not, never even thought about going anywhere else. I went to Valley West. That was, uh, it was never really uh, a thought for me. I think we actually talked about it the first podcast I ever came on, and how they we were called the Open Enrollment Team, and I was actually it was me and maybe like one other guy that were actually true North end guys. We were a full team of South end kids playing on central that year. And I think that's kind of, and like Mace kind of said, it's where his friends went. And I think that's kind of the way it goes. Like, you know, the friends, a couple of guys jump, you know, not necessarily jump ship, but they see an opportunity to play right away at the other school. And then it kind of follows suit. All the buddies follow. And then, and then it goes yeah. back. And I think you're seeing right now, Red River might be the better of the two again. And for like the last five, six years, I think central was dominant. I think it just kind of goes back and forth and yeah. I think everybody has different reasons for why they pick where they go, but I'm pretty proud to say I'm a true North ender and I was, uh, I stayed at central and I was going to stay there no matter what, but. Yeah. Kinda, kinda feel bad for you. Both of you <laughs> East side, like central. Well, well, we, I mean, if we talk, if we bring East side in the equation, I mean, that's a whole nother disgusting animal. I would talk. like the listeners to know, I've never lost a hockey game to Grand Forks, so I, 
Grand Forks might have the record over us, but when I was there playing, it wasn't like that. So, and, you know, I think, you know, East Grand Forks got two uh, state championships in Minnesota. That's uh, might be a little harder than North Dakota. I don't know. Single. Like, who'd, you like, who'd you guys play in the state championship again? Grafton or Bismarck Century? Neither. <laughs> Bismarck High. <laughs> I, I love to say uh, being around all these Minnesota kids that I play around, and I love telling them, like, hey, Grand Forks had one high school. We would definitely compete in a double-A tournament in Minnesota I, for sure. I, I couldn't agree more. I've said that forever, that if Grand Forks – you know, if everyone went private school, Sacred Heart, everyone enrolled over there and we were a double A school and he's on the east side. I mean, the amount of talent that comes out of both high schools, if it was combined into one, I mean, maybe not winning it, you know, but that we're for sure competing. No, you guys are being you're, 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 you're out for sure. You guys are being you guys are being too kind. Cause if you're going to if everyone's going to Sacred Heart, that means East Grand Forks guys are going to Sacred Heart. There's not a doubt. I mean, that team wouldn't lose a state and, champ. They would. The, they'd be the NDSU of FCS. They would, the they would win state championships eight times out of ten. And the high school enrollment between like East Grand Forks, Red River, and Central would be right on par with all the big schools in Minnesota: the Edinas, the Minnetonkas, the you know, Wyzettas. Well, Wyzetta, Wyzetta yeah. would have more than those three schools combined. So it's not like yeah. it would be some absurd combination. It's, it's no. literally just, I mean, it's what 60,000 people total between East Grand Forks yeah. and Grand Forks. So. Well, well, and perp, that's why I always talk about section eight in, in Minnesota. I, I know we can't consider red river and central there cause they don't play in the state tournament, but um, you've got Roseau, you've got Moorhead. They're playing double a, they're playing yeah. against those Wyzettas, and I mean, you think about the population of Roseau. There's no one there. I mean, there's no one there. They, they have a smaller population than most single A schools in Minnesota, and they've won a state championship. They go to this. They're they're a good team. Why is that? It's because we're we're up in the north. Here's one thing: Roseau has a has a rink, an indoor rink. Open 24-7 for whoever to use, whoever wants. And kids go out there, they'll, they'll they'll bring sleeping bags and sleep in the locker room and just play all night. And, I mean, there's a reason they're good. You know, like, think about the Wyzetta and Edina and Minnetonka kids. How much stuff, how much shit they have to do in the summer, you know? Like, no. they could go to a Twins game. They could, they're going on the lake, like, 10 minutes away. They're there's so many activities for them to do. Well, when you're in the North and you're a kid, it's either, you know, when you're in Grand Forks, especially, what do you do? You bike around in the summer, you hang, you have bonfires and you shoot pucks and stick handle and train hockey. Like that's all you can do. Yeah. I mean, that's all, I mean, that's what you do in the winter too. Like you go to the rink, I mean, Mace can attest to it. You can't really attest to it because you uh, you jumped ship and went Ann Arbor. But um, <laughs> I mean, you go you go. I mean, even in through high school, at least it was for us. Like you went to practice, 
you left practice and you went to the outdoor rinks because that's just where you hung out after practice. It's like, who's going to the rink? And then we'd skate at the outdoor rinks. Maybe not every night in high school as much as you did when you're younger, but like quite a bit, that's still where you hung out with your buddies and you messed around and played. And, you know, some of your best memories are warming house and, you know, freezing cold nights where you're shoveling snow and you're running in out of the warming house just to get five minutes of warm up and then 15 minutes of play, you know, those negative, those negative temps where the rinks closed and you got, you know, one person's got a key or you talk, you convince the uh, rink attendant to leave the, leave the door unlocked and you'd lock it up. I mean, those are like, I mean, that's kind of what separates like kids from up North. I mean, not all of them, but that's the separation between kids from up North and kids, you know, down in the cities or South, like, we lived out there and not because necessarily like hockey was the only reason there's plenty of kids that did that every day that never played past high school. It's one of those things where it's like, that's where your buddies were and that's where people were going. And if you want to hang out with your friends, you were at the outdoor rinks. So, I mean, we had some of our best friends that never even played high school hockey were out there. I mean, Mace can probably attest yeah. to it. The offices, the mat. I mean, guys that just, you know, just guys that didn't even play that are just still out there because all the boys are out there. Just why exactly. not? Exactly. It's just the that's culture. Funny, it's like what people do. Those guys come yeah. through. Yeah, and yeah. that's that. I mean, that's that's the sole reason why Canada separates itself from every other country when it comes to hockey. Is because almost every town in Canada is similar to Grand Forks or Roseau. It's like. The only thing they can do in the winter there is either, you know, you get nowadays you've got, you go skate on the rink outside or you you stay inside and you play video games, I guess now. And there's going to be both those kids, but that's why, that's why I, I, I fully don't believe America will ever catch Canada in hockey because there's too much shit to do in America. You know, Especially in the South, like the only states that are good at hockey are, you know, Michigan, Minnesota, Massachusetts. They're all right up near Canada. I mean, you're not going to have I mean, I like sheer sheer numbers may may factor in eventually. Like the more the game grows, like I mean, you have so many big cities that like the more it grows in each city that you're going to get. I mean, look at Arizona. You got Austin Matthews. I mean, coming out, I mean, down the line, I can't think of every name, but like guys are coming from everywhere now. And that's just started in the last 10 to 15 years. I mean, the game really hasn't even touched what it's probably going to touch in all these other States. And, you know, so, I mean, that that's not to even argue your point. I don't know if we'll ever catch Canada, but if you think about some of those lower States and they're, they're actually just tipping the iceberg right now on numbers and people and players are going to have, you know, for their youth programs and you already producing guys like Austin Matthews, who's, you know, straight yeah. out of Arizona. So, I mean, you are going to produce those guys. And I mean, I don't know if we'll ever catch Canada, but I think it could be pretty close eventually, but. No, and there, and there's enough. The problem with hockey is you got to find ice to skate at, which is expensive. Um, and that's why I wanted to bring up in the fun stuff before we kind of took it too far, but was the ODR and how, how, how big of an impact the outdoor rink has on hockey players. Um, it's like a soccer player living, you know, down in the South who can, or a golfer down in the South who can golf all year round or, you know, dribble a ball with their foot all year round. It's like, 
you had such an advantage when you get to use the outdoor rinks where you're, like you said, your buddies are hanging out at, like, there's times where, like, you know, realistically, we should have even made it to where we, you know, to play Division One college hockey, um, but you made it strictly because your friends were on the ODR, you know, like, if your friends were in Montana riding bull or if they're in Texas playing football or basketball, it's like, you're not fucking on the ODR. Like you're okay. at the fucking rodeo. Imagine that group of friends that's just riding bull. <laughs> yeah. But you would do it. Even though like, you know, like if all your buddies are riding bull and at the rodeo, you're going to be at the rodeo. Like the, it is what it is. I just, I just get a laugh out of thinking about that group of friends. It's like, hey, got a couple pissed off bulls, you know, back at my place. Let's go ride bull tonight, <laughs> and yeah. we'll get after. We'll probably break some bones, but you know, my cousin, my cousin, my cousin uh, Sheila said she can bring us to the ER if anyone breaks a collarbone tonight. Uh, <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. I got a thirty rack of PBR in the back too. <laughs> I, I would like your I would like your Mace's thoughts though on like the outdoor rink part of it because I know my thoughts on like what makes a good player at the outdoor rinks. I mean, just from his experience, I'd like to hear what he says about it because obviously I kind of know what I think, but I mean, he spent probably just as much time as we did. Like, what 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 do you what is it about the outdoor rink that kind of makes you know you maybe the player you are like a certain play? I mean, any player they are like is it the instinctual stuff just playing with your friends? Yeah, just... yeah, I guess it's just like. I mean, when you're out there, it's it's a hands game for sure. But a uh, big mm-hmm. part of it is being with the boys and just hanging out, getting out of the house. But uh, I mean, translating to the game, it's it's skilled. Like out there, yeah. like you're not you're not out there running bodies like systems and stuff. But yeah, you're out there dancing, kids, and having fun, just enjoying it. Like how hockey should be played, I think is the big part is just having fun, honestly. And that's what we grew up doing is having fun with each other. And then your skills take it to another level. And then you keep climbing the ladder off that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of like that instinctual thing. Like you just end up like figuring it out out there, right? Like you're just playing in small areas, quick little passes. Like you got to be good in tight areas. You got to, I mean, just all that little stuff that like you're doing it because it's fun. And then, over time, the more and more you do it, the more it translates to a real game. Like the quick yeah, thing, yeah. on your stick, you're on bad ice. You got to get this puck over to this guy and he's got to handle it and, you know, and bury it between some guy's feet who's standing. I mean, it's just little shit, but like over yeah. time you do it over and over and over again, all of a sudden now in real games, catching a puck in traffic and, you know, quickly backhanded to someone on the back door who taps, you know, it's just all that little stuff that yeah. compound time being. Yeah. Outside. One part. One part I love about the ODR and what I think, you know, it just where it helped me was, you know, and and sometimes when you're whenever you're playing a serious game, you you're just trying to do the best you can, you know, and you're scared of making a mistake, like you don't want to make a mistake. Well, when you're playing ODR, you'll try different stuff that you don't care if it doesn't work, but if you keep trying it, you're like, this is a pretty good move. You know, like you learn like, Holy shit, this will work like actually in the real game. And then you do it in the, the biggest part for the ODR was for me, was like using the boards 
like passing the puck off the boards to myself or you know how many, slap, how many slap shots did you take just like standing five feet from the boards just like <laughs> clap bomb into the boards oh my dad my dad had a full-on a full rink in our backyard with boards and everything and one of the he only had like enough real like arena boards to make like 75% of the rink. And then the other boards he used, he made like two by fours and they, he just made makeshift boards. One, well, on one of those boards one day when I was like 15, I or like 13 or 14 or something. I had heard a story like Sidney Crosby or Jonathan Taves, like their, their, their parents had to like call them off the ice at 3 a.m. That's how much they love the game. So I was just strictly like, I set an alarm for like 12.30 a.m. I was already sleeping. And then I like tied up my skates. And I was just taking clappers off the boards. And I eventually broke a hole in one of my dad's makeshift boards from taking so many slap shots at it. And I remember my mom calling me in like, what the fuck are you, what are you doing? Like, and I'm just like, fuck yeah. Jonathan Taves. Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> you know? How you rationalize those things in your brain? Like when you're a kid, like be like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm out here. I'm doing what other kids aren't like, you just think you oh, think you are. Yeah. But honestly, that is the separation though. Right. Cause how many, I mean, even if that's your rationalization for being out there, it's like other kids aren't doing it. So no, I mean, not, not everyone's putting in that extra time behind the scenes. It's just stringing those days together. Like, can't just do it one day, all right? You got to do it more than once and take it week by week. Yeah, Keep doing that and that's what's going to separate you if you continually do it. Even that was it. and so as you said, week by week, but it's like it's even day by day. Like you yeah. have you have one good day, you string together a good day, you trained well. You're motivated to to train well the next day and have another good day. Oh, I always remember. When I was like probably middle school age, I don't know, maybe fifth, sixth, seventh grade, I'd get, I'd go to the rink like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, like Thursday comes along, like it's pretty fucking cold, like, you know, get home and, you know, normally I'm heading to the rink, but I'm thinking, you know, today might be a nice day to just, you know, it's, it's blowing wind, like it's a little cold. I'd sit down in my room, I'd be playing video games. My dad gets home from work. He'd just like peek his head in the door and be like, yeah, I saw some hockey play, some guys that wanted to be hockey players down at uni. Just just a casual drop. Like some kids oh, want to yeah. be hockey players out there. And I'd be, you know, sitting with my controller and I'd be like, oh, fuck, better get out there. And I'd pop up and I'd <laughs> yeah. get on and I'd be running down the street to uni and I'd get down there. Not a soul on the ice. The guy would trick <laughs> oh, yeah. Then I'd stay out there for you know, like it was always just a funny thing. Like I'd be 100%. out there every day. Like one day I wouldn't go, he'd pull a mind game on me and get me back out there. Hundred percent. I do I do credit my dad. Well, both my parents, but a lot for my success because I mean my dad used to tell me, like, hey, I'd come home from practice and I'm like tired and they're like, oh yeah, I got a game in two days or whatever, and you're like a peewee or bantam and my dad's like, well, yeah, it's great. Just know, like, the other guys you want to be better than are they're probably, like, practicing right now. And I'm just like, 
fuck, I gotta go practice. Like I'm like I'm like pissed, but I'm like I gotta go practice. Like, well, the, well, it's because you, it's it's you wanted it, you know. But then you'd have those moments where you like thought you could get away with not wanting it for a day, and then you got reminded, and you're like, oh shit, like maybe I do want it. I better go get back after. <laughs> yeah. Well. Let's circle back after a little while to uh, Selzy's career here. So, Selzy, you, you're playing at Red River. You're, you're a prolific player. I mean, I, I had heard your name in college. You ended up playing for the Janesville Jets in the NAHL your first year in juniors. What, what was that like going to the NAHL, which Perk played in as well, um, where – and I know you like both. You guys are probably thinking, "I want to play in the USHL somehow," but I'm, I got to play in the NHL. So, you know, what are your thoughts going into that? How do you handle that first year junior outside of college, outside of high school? Yeah, it's tough for sure. Like, just that's the first time you move away from your family and friends. Like, like being from Forks, like grew up playing hockey with all my buddies, and you get out there and it's it's a whole different game. It's not hockey it's a business like i mean yeah. at any point like you could get traded but yeah. but you just want to be in one spot and uh yeah it's it's a man's game that's for sure like compared yeah. to like high school like where you have these high school students just lugging around the puck and then you go out there and then you got these tough guys that are trying to fight yeah. you and stuff but it's different yeah it is a whole we're in a cage game. you go to the visor and then so you're playing at Janesville. You eventually make it the Fargo Force, which is, you know, there's a lot of kids that go and you can get stuck in the NHL, but you happen to make it the Fargo Force. You're an assistant captain there at some point. You know, how do you, how do you get there? I mean, it's just showing up to the rink and wanting it more than that person next to you. Honestly, it's just the time put in. I think it's a big key to it. But then uh, other than that, it's kind of a crazy story. Like I wasn't having like a unbelievable year in Janesville, like that most people would think like would take you to that next level. And I actually, right before I got called up to Fargo, I scored my first goals in junior career, like 22 games in or something. And yeah, woke up the Sunday morning from a phone call from Fargo saying that, you're coming up for the next five games if you want to and then going back. But yeah, I ended up doing well. So, so you did well in those five games. I mean, what what's your mindset going into those games, you know, knowing how much pressure? Yeah. It's just showing up and playing your game. Like you can't play someone else's game in that league. Like just play your own and enjoy it while it, while it lasts. And that's kind of what I took. Ended up getting there and, play fourth line like that's my role like do it to my best abilities and then yeah on to the next and then actually after the five games I get called into Kerry's office we just got done playing at home goes yeah I'm gonna send you back like we'll we'll call you later in the year like we want you back for sure I was like all right like went home for Christmas break and then wake up the next day to a phone call from him like yeah we just bought you out from Janesville. You're staying here the rest of the year. And I was like, best time of my life. Like, and yeah, it's probably the best spot you could ask to play for in junior hockey. I think yeah. personally, just being so close to home and yeah, around friends and family. 
Solzy, obviously, is great. You, you get back to Fargo. Um, what's it like? You know, you, you've got the family an hour away. You, you kind of get back. You, you make it to the USHL, out of the NHL, where, where you kind of want to be. Um, I mean, does the family come down? Do you, do you stay with billets? You could damn near stay at home and just make the drive every day, no? Yeah, definitely could for sure. But uh, I was lucky enough. Where uh, when I got called up halfway through the year, I ended up I have family living there, so I just stayed at my aunt and uncle's for the first year, and then uh, my dad grew up there and graduated from South, so he uh, had one of his best friends uh, wanted to host me, and unbelievable house, great family, and I ended up moving in with them my last two years, and it was really nice. But my family came to every game. So it was nice that I had family there already, too, on top of it. It's always great when a Grand Forks guy gets to play for the Force, and and I always kind of wanted to play for the Force as well for that reason. Um, You get the family coming down. You get to play juniors close to home. And in the USHL, that's the only junior team within, I mean, what, 12-hour drive of Grand Forks? USHL, yeah. I mean, you got – I mean, and North America teams, but – there's some you had, is Alex does Alex still have the NA team there? No, Alex has now moved like multiple times. I think they're in St. Cloud now, but and you know, Bismarck's still there. Aberdeen's yeah. not too far. I mean, there's team and North American League teams, but so so I'll circle back um to Salzy here. Salzy, obviously you you know you're you're a good really good hockey player coming out of Grand Forks. Um and I know you're at St. Cloud, but there had to be a time where you're like, I'm from Grand Forks. I I want to play for UND, you know. How does that play out when you're in Fargo and you end up committing? Did you commit to St. Cloud in Fargo? Yeah. Yep. So what other schools are talking to you at that time and, and you ultimately decide on St. Cloud? Well, it was Northern Michigan. My first ever visit was to uh, Northern Michigan, Perp's old stomping grounds. And, uh, yeah. yeah, so that was my first visit. And uh, the first team I ever talked to was Mankato. And they were on me for a couple of years, just never fully pulled the trigger on me. And then it was a lot of, like, out east teams. like, yeah. And then, like, Niagara was a big part of it and the weird thing is is being from here you'd think like staying here your entire life playing in front of them like North Dakota would always come knocking at some point and they never once called my phone and at that point I was already getting offers from other teams and I was just like no they don't want me like I want to go somewhere where I'm wanted and I want to play and yeah. somewhere that's going to be my new home. So, yeah, yeah then St. Cloud ended up knocking right when COVID hit, right after our season ended, and I didn't miss a beat and yeah. pulled the trigger right away. Well, St. Cloud is kind of a school if you get recruited and, and, and they want you to come there. It's, like, pretty tough to turn down. As a, as a youth hockey player, because St. Cloud is such a good university to play hockey at. And, um yeah, I mean, you just you can't turn that down at that point. So, yeah. 
you end up committing to St. Cloud and, and you end your junior career in Fargo and then you get to St. Cloud, you know, what were your, what did you visualize what college was like? You know, did, did it turn out to be everything you imagined? Um, you know, what was it like transitioning to the college world? I, yeah, it's definitely tough. That's for sure. I mean, it's, you're playing against a bunch of anywhere from 18 to 26 year olds. Like, a whole different game but going into it just wanted to have fun and that's kind of what St. Cloud's been for me is just enjoying it enjoying the college experience and also just enjoying playing hockey like that's was my dream growing up to play college hockey and that's what I've been doing so it's good yeah I know I mean it's 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 really cool to see you live out that dream and and we are I, I know we're you know, mostly UND based just because Olsen and I played there, but uh, just playing anywhere D1 is so special and, and playing, honestly, D3 or whatever you're playing, just just being in that locker room and getting to compete in real live games, you know, like it's different when you're playing beer league like Perp and I are doing, but he actually gets to coach games, which kind of fills his um, spoon, but getting that real compete and, and just getting to play those games, especially at a university like St. Cloud, it, it, it really is special. And, and, you know, before you went there, St. Cloud took John Lazat and Jacob Benson, who are also North Dakota guys, really good prolific North Dakota guys that just didn't get offers from North Dakota. And then they end up having good careers at St. Cloud. So um, I'd like to say that those two played a big, role in my uh recruiting stage in my life and those two are people that I reached out to like you don't ever just make that kind of decision without talking to people and opening up and seeing what it's all about and those two definitely did a great job with telling me how it's going to be and how it is and what their experiences were like so I mean I'd like to say a lot of my recruiting was part of that for sure well, and yeah, I mean, we're getting the college part here now. So you get to St. Cloud, it, you know, how special is it to play hockey at St. Cloud? It's a pretty, you know, it's a pretty good university, a lot of tradition there. You know, when you're walking around campus, going to class, you know, are you known as a hockey player walking around campus there? And people are like, oh, that's a hockey player right there. Yeah, I mean, once you go out and see everyone else on campus, like, they kind of have an eye. And it's just, like, every weekend, like, we're the only Division One team other than the women's hockey on the campus. So, I mean, yeah, there's definitely an eye out there for us, but it's it's not like what you think where they're looking at us saying, yeah, you're a Division One hockey player. Right? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, once you go out and – get to know a lot more people it's it's there they know about it for sure and that's one of the cool things about playing college sports i think is is students um can respect that and think it's cool which i think it is cool too it kind of means you you worked hard in high school and you made it however you decided to make it but uh um now obviously you found yourself on a pretty good st cloud team this year and um, you know, what are you guys looking to do in the second half? Just kind of continue what you guys have been doing. And, and you know, like you said before, 
screaming at each other and holding their teeth. Yeah, I think it's just it starts in the locker room with each and every one of us and the coaching staff. Like just the culture that they built previously for all of our alumni and it's just continuing that and we had a lot of success in the first half and I think it's just keep the foot on the gas pedal and see where things can take us our, our season that uh yeah where we can be so I mean anyone can win at any given night in college hockey I think so that's also what makes it great to play in so I think just keep rolling and keep keep the chains moving kind of yeah, I mean, that's that's all you can do when you have a good first half like St. Cloud has had is just just keep the ball rolling and keep doing what you're doing. And um, some teams are able to do it, and some teams kind of fall off. And I think, you know, I've watched your guys' team. I think you guys have what it takes to, to keep it rolling. Um, really, really skilled team. Um, but Mace – or Selzy, sorry – Solzy, one of the main questions we ask on this on this podcast is, um, what are your favorite places to play on the road? And it could be for the game. It could be because you guys have a nice meal somewhere. It could be because the hotel or just the atmosphere. Um, what can you kind of think of that you've enjoyed so far? I mean, for me, it's number one, hands down, best place I've ever played is North Dakota. Yeah, just being from here and all the friends and family in the stands, it's it doesn't beat that. And I got two, uh, Western Michigan, yeah. obviously, lost in lunatics, crazy, yeah. play in front of, a lot of fun. And then uh, – Don't want to be number four there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my last one would probably be – I enjoyed playing in Miami as the first time this year. Um I just heard it was great experience, and going into it, it was, it was awesome. I loved playing there. Great town, great college hockey town. Yeah. Um, anyone, I don't know if you ever got to Miami, but that was uh, definitely one of the best places to play college hockey, I think. Yeah, no, we uh, we never played. I mean, I've, yeah, I mean, I've heard all the stories. Um, we never played there in my four years, but it was, uh, I've heard a lot of, a lot of really good things about Miami. Um, a lot of different aspects of that campus that are pretty, uh, pretty nice. So, um, yeah, I mean, Western Michigan's a, like May said, is one of the one of the crazier ones. Um, I don't know if you're asking me my opinion or if you were just wondering about Miami, Ohio, but, um, but yeah, Miami. I've heard great things about. I've heard great things about. No, what's your What's your opinion? My opinion. Well, I have the same as Mays. I mean, my freshman year, we came back to North Dakota and uh, I got to play in, play in the Ralph my freshman year. So that was like unbelievable road experience for me. But um, there's a lot of really cool, uh, you know, that people don't really talk about in the CCHA. Michigan Tech is a barn that's absolute, you know, it's been newly remodeled. It's, it's, that place is absolute rock and maybe partially because, because uh, of the rivalry with Northern Michigan Tech. Ferris State's another one. It's like a little high school barn, but they pack it, and their student section's absolutely wild. Bowling Green, um, some of those places. Mankato, if you get a really good crowd there, can be an absolute um, electric place to play as well. Um, Duluth was fun. I mean, there's, I mean, 
in my opinion, college hockey is, I mean, it can, the experience for everyone can be a little bit different depending on, you know, who you play for and when you go there and, you know, the time that you go there. But I think every individual place is unique in their own and they kind of have, you know, something special about it. And I think the NCHC obviously has, you know, every rink, every experience is probably, you know, yeah. more towards the pinnacle just because, I mean, they wouldn't be the top programs if they didn't have those experiences, you know, so you're getting to play in those every single night. Um, But those, those things are everywhere, right? Like you'll see them all around the CCHA, you know, lots of different. I didn't, I didn't get to do a lot out East, but um, you know, some different big 10 places, Wisconsin, Duluth, you know, North Dakota, some of those Penn state. I think I talked about it on the first podcast, Penn state had to have been one of the best road trips I've been on in my entire life, hockey, or just going somewhere with buddies. I mean, I had an absolute yeah. blast, but um, I don't need the to read this. One. Yeah. The roar zone. That place is electric. Yeah. That was an absolute electric factory there. So that, that's a place that I th- I'm surprised they haven't, I mean, they are good this year, but just being a big 10 school with that atmosphere and that rink and those amenities and can't imagine they're not going to ever be not good. So, but yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing, and uh, Selzy, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate having you here. Good luck the rest of the way, second half. We'll be watching. Um, and, yeah, I mean, St. Cloud's been my uh, second favorite college hockey team for a long time now just because of their North Dakota roots. But, uh, sorry, Perp, North, Northern Michigan's not coming up on that list. But, um, you kidding no, me? Just, yeah, yeah, sorry. I just, yeah, I like St. Cloud. I, I like their guys. I've always enjoyed their guys. Um, so, yeah, best of luck to St. Cloud. But obviously, you know, be keeping an eye on the uh, North Dakota team here in the second half. No one knows, you know, big comeback season. Who knows? But, uh, Perp, thanks for filling in today. Um, yeah. Jack, thank Thanks for coming on so late. And uh, Salzy, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate having you in here. It's been a great time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Mace, good luck uh, second half here. Let's uh, let's get together at Little C this summer. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll out drink Buzz three to one since he'll probably have about six Miller lights and uh, color clips these days. So maybe I'll make my first trip out there and we'll have a, have a little bit of a yep. little drink off with Buzz. Yeah, count me in on that one. Perfect. All right, and uh, we'll see you all next week.